everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus the Movie. One minute at a time. And you are listening to this. This episode is going live on December 1st. We are officially in Christmas season yeah, Santa... for those people that don't start, you know, uh, right after Halloween. <laughs> but this is Santa's big month. It is. So I don't have anything to start the show this week, except welcome to any new listeners and welcome back to all our loyal listeners. This is going to be the last December that we're going to be talking about this movie one minute at a time. I don't know what future Decembers hold, but <laughs> this will be the last Christmas season we'll be spending with one minute chunks of Santa Claus the movie. That's true, because we'll be wrapping this up around March, April, somewhere around there. Yeah, sometime in the spring. So, yeah. I, I hate thinking of it, but it's Christmas. I hate thinking about it, but it's right around the corner. It is. I can't, I still can't believe that we're going to do the whole movie. Once we hit minute 108, I'm just going to be quiet and sad around the house like Santa has been in this movie for the past however many minutes. I'm not going to talk to you. Okay. Our son will, right. our, our son will come in and try to show me something and I'll go like, can I talk about it one minute at a time? And then I will lock you in a room and tell you to get over it. No, you'll just be sitting there with a sad look on your sad concerned look on your face doing your knitting. No, I won't. <laughs> Anya and I have very little things in common. People have a better picture of what I'm referring to at the end of this particular minute. That's true. So before we dive into this minute and we should tell the listener what minute it is uh we're starting minute 86 i do want to bring your attention to a neat detail that i noticed after we stopped recording last week on minute 85 i was going to bring it up in this minute but it's totally blocked out once cornelia pulls herself into the bed so do you okay. have do you have minute 85 up on your screen so at the tail end of that minute just before cornelia pulls herself up into the bed Look what is leaning up against the wall. It looks like a field hockey stick. Yeah, that is a field hockey stick. And if you remember, remember what Shannon Spurrell told us, that the dance scene was originally going to be a field hockey scene, but remember the weather wasn't cooperating? It was like pouring oh, yeah. rain. That's right. Look at that. That's like a leftover remnant. And we would never would have known that. Yeah. Otherwise. <laughs> that's cool. Good eye. But that's all we see of it because once Cornelia pulls herself into the bed at the start of this minute, it's blocked out. Yeah. So I had to bring it up at the top of the show. Okay, Ben, are you ready to start tackling minute number 86? I don't think you've offended any UK listeners <laughs> recently. <laughs> I don't know. Just give it time. So like I said, Cornelia finishes pulling herself up into the bed, sitting up next to Joe. Joe is like listening to the thunder and lightning outside. Then Cornelia has an idea. You're staying here. Um, what? There's an empty room in the basement. I do think it's funny when the we hear the thunder and there's like the flash of lightning. Joe's like, like looking up at the ceiling like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can describe it in words, but he's like... <laughs> 
maybe it's just habit. You know, he's usually outside. So maybe listening to the thunder and the rain on a roof as opposed to like a cardboard box or something is uh, strange for him. And I also like his, uh, I'm what? (laughs) When Cornelia suggests that he stay in the house. Yes. He doesn't seem very sold on the idea, but Cornelia is very insistent. So she says that going into the basement because no one ever goes down there. Now in the book, it elaborates. She says in the basement near in the furnace room and then nobody goes down there. So she elaborates a little bit in the book as opposed to in the movie. And in the furnace, the furnace room makes a lot more sense because the furnace would be a lot. That room would be a lot warmer than just a cold, damp basement in New York. Like just a regular old basement's not going to help Joe much. <laughs> That's true. We, we have to remind everyone that Joe is running a fever. He yes. has a cold. So after Cornelia suggests this and mentions the room that nobody ever uses, like I said, Joe is not sold on it. He doesn't say anything. He, he hesitates. Nobody ever goes down there. Oh, please, Joe, just so you get better. Joe finally agrees as we hear more thunder from outside, but he wants Cornelia to know. All right, but just so I shake this. Yeah, well, Joe didn't answer her right away because the idea of hiding in someone else's house was daunting to him. You know, because he's he's a secret. He's not supposed to be there. (laughs) I suppose that's true. Mm Mm-hmm. When Cornelia gets up off the bed, she has like a very, I don't know if smug is the word I want to use, but she has a very like, I told you so face. When yeah. Joe finally says, okay, but just until I feel better. But Cornelia yeah. is like very proud. It's like, oh, I came up with this great idea. Well, she's giving him the puppy dog eyes, you know, just until you feel better with the like the little oh, yeah. puppy dog eyes. Yep, and then the right. mini says, okay, she's like, ha Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Now, in the book, she says uh, that they she would make him a bed out of an old rubber raft and a bunch of blankets from the house. So, and I think we see that later, but she actually says it to him in the book of what, they, what he can sleep on. So before we move on from uh, Cornelia's room, we should talk about the decor, which we see a little bit of in this minute. We get a much better look at it. A few minutes from now i don't know how many minutes but we get a better look later on when the camera is on joe we see a very large horse statue or figurine it almost looks like a merry-go-round horse similar size and then when the camera is on cornelia making her puppy dog face right behind her is a cork board with a poster of a little puppy and it looks like other Mm -hmm. postcards and maybe greeting cards are also tacked up to that cork board yeah there are other some there are some other framed pictures of some sort on the wall but i wasn't able to make any of them out i even brought up the hd copy and i couldn't make anything out (laughs) i tried the um underneath the the puppy dog there's like a piece of paper that looks like it's folded with like a little wax seal right in the middle. It's almost like how 
uh, all like the letters to Santa go. So I see the one you're talking about. There's also another one. It's like a white square. I, I think it's a greeting card, but is that like an ice cream sundae? That's what it looks like to me okay. from what I can see. Yeah. So we're starting to get hints at Cornelia's interests. She's an animal lover and a horse lover. And we'll get into this more later when we get a more detailed look into Cornelia's room. Uh, so before we move on to the next scene in the movie where we're going back to the North Pole, I have more from Joe and Cornelia from the book. Uh, this is right after Joe says, okay, just till I shake this, you know, so like just till it gets better. Cornelia turned away to her bureau, beaming and efficient. She began to rummage through the drawers, pulling out and rejecting pieces of clothing as she said, I'm going to go down and fix up your room and I'll bring you a glass of OJ and an aspirin. She tossed two pieces of clothing at him. Here, get out of those wet clothes and put these on. Joe caught the clothes by reflex, looking down at them with a scowl. Girls clothes, he said. They're unisex, Cornelia said firmly, ignoring his display of peevish male chauvinism. Now hurry up. She bustled out of the room with an armful of blankets, leaving him privacy in which to change. Joe held the clothes she had given him at arm's length, eyeing them suspiciously. One garment was a pair of a gray sweatpants, and the other was a t-shirt with Miss Briley's School for Girls stenciled across its chest. Unisex, huh? Joe frowned again and turned the shirt inside out. <laughs> He's staying in her basement, and he's picky about dry clothes. <laughs> I wonder if that scene was filmed. It seems very detailed for it not to have been. Well, a call to the unisex um, sweatpants is in the comic book as well. Oh, really? Yeah. So in the comic book, of course, it happens a little bit later. Because in the comic book, you know, they're not in her room. As she is bringing him down into the basement in the comic book, uh, Cornelia is saying, No buts about it. You'll get out of those clothes and I'll give you some of mine. And Joe says, Girls clothes. And she says, They're unisex. So it happened. It was in both the comic book and the book. So it must have got cut. I could see how it would fit right here. Mm Mm-hmm. And I could even picture the Henry Mancini, like, music (laughs) as he's, like, looking at the School for Girls shirt. Yes. (laughs) So, does he actually change his clothes? I honestly don't remember. I know we might have to break the rule a bit. Because I thought he was in his trademark, you know, shabby-looking coat when Grizzard escorts him out of the townhouse. Um, yeah, I believe that I don't think he actually changes because in all of the scenes of Joe in the basement, he's wearing his normal clothes, not to move, not to ruin the illusion, but it does look, I'm not, I know that we're kind of breaking the rules, but it does look like Cornelia's whole handing him dry clothes. So maybe he did put them on just at least long enough for her to dry his clothes in like a clothes dryer or something but 
That would have had we'll to been about... really quick, but we'll we'll talk more about this in the future. Yeah, we have two minutes before we're there. So two more weeks we could talk about it. <laughs> we probably won't remember in two weeks. Nope. <laughs> so after Joe kind of like shakes his head like, oh, girls, what are you going to do? Heaven forbid she's saving his life. Girls. We are now back at the North Pole in Claus and Anya's living quarters. Anya is quietly sitting there, knitting, and Santa. Santa is his jolly old self again, right, Vin? It's it, no. finally Santa's back to his old self. No, see, I'm kidding. Is... I'm kidding, of course, because according according to the book, this has been a few days. A days have passed. So if you, in the book, in the book, it's like Joe has been at Cornelia's for a few days. And now we're seeing Santa. It's been a few days. No, this has all happened on the same day in movie film timeline. <laughs> as we'll see it unfold very shortly. It's all, so, the, okay, same, it's all the same on. night anyway. No, Santa, Santa isn't jolly bowl full of jelly Santa because why would he be? Mm-mm. Nope, he's just sitting there, like, staring off into space with a very depressed look on his face, frowning, saying nothing, just like he has it, been for the past... Oh, goodness. We, we, need, we need to nail this down. How long has Santa <laughs> been like this? And it feels so even the... longer when we're breaking it down like this. It's like, oh, how, how long has it been since we've seen Happy Santa? <laughs> In the book, it says day after day, he just sat unmoving in his chair in front of the fire. And the book makes it sound even worse. <laughs> so the door to the living quarter slowly creaks open and Puffy cautiously slowly enters the room. And we see Puffy is holding a doll in his arms. Peeking into the room from behind the door are a group of elves. We see some old faces we haven't seen in quite a few minutes. We see Boog, Honka, and Vout. And if you look behind them, you can see some unnamed extra elves like trying to sneak a peek at what's going on behind those guys. And they all watch nervously. Even as Puffy has been entering the room, Claus has not moved. Puffy kind of like approaches him. Anya at least acknowledges that Puffy has entered the room. Santa's just like, <laughs> but yeah, Anya at least acknowledges Puffy with a glance. She doesn't say anything. I'm starting to think my thought from earlier, how that claws may have been her final spoken line of the movie might be coming true. She doesn't say, oh, Puffy, come in, come in. So Puffy, he leans in close to Santa and timidly says, it's a, a new doll. Now, now, before we move on to Claus's non-reaction, um, I want to read to you the description of this doll in the book. Okay, because I was going to describe it later. Yes, well, you, you still will have to, because this is how it's described in the book. Okay. Puffy, holding out his latest design... The cuddliest, most irresistible baby doll he had ever created. Anya and the others watched silently from the doorway, waiting anxiously to see if this time they had found the thing that could raise Santa's spirits. 
the cuddliest and most irresistible. Look at that dog. It's a very homemade looking doll. Keep in mind, we are in the timeline. Doll. This is 1985. This yes. looks like a doll your grandma would make. It has like little rosy cheeks. It's like a Raggedy Ann type doll with like googly eyes. Yes. It has like a like a ooh shaped mouth. It's very floppy yeah. rag doll. It does not look like a doll that any child in 1985 would want or ask for. No, it, it it's it looks like it's one of those fabric dolls, you know, that a grandparent would sew together with a fab with like yards of fabric at the store, and then you just add your own stuffing after you sew it all together. One of those patterns uh, they cut out of one of those seventies yeah. magazines. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm now. I'm not saying that this is a bad doll. But for a doll that kids would be asking for from Santa in 1985, this is not the style kids were asking for then. Yeah, I always got the impression that this scene was supposed to make Puffy look like, oh, look at Puffy. Look at the sad toy he's bringing in. And as a result, I feel bad for Puffy, especially how Santa reacts to him. What must this be doing to Puffy? Like, he must know Patch is, Santa, is the apple of Santa's eye. Yeah. And he must feel like dog poop. <laughs> I know. The way Santa's so, been acting since he's been appointed assistant. And he's trying in, so hard to come up with these innovative ideas. Look, I can be just like Patch. Look at this great idea. And Santa's just like, whoa, who cares? And it's not just Puffy. Because here in the book it says Anya and the elves tried every imaginable thing that they could think of to rouse and interest him, but nothing succeeded. Anya cooked his favorite foods for him at each meal, only to see them left nearly untouched. She and Dooley told him stories, jokes, news of the outside world, carefully excluding anything they heard about BZ toys, trying to pique his interest to no avail. Puffy faithfully brought him the blueprints and mock-ups for every new toy only to receive the same listless response that Anya and Dooley did. So, Claw Santa is really burning all of his bridges here. He, he's really checked out. Yes, it's like, maybe it is time yes. for a new Santa. If, uh, <laughs> I hate to maybe. say it. Man, this is... You're not the I mean, Santa we knew. That, <laughs> I don't think this is a job that one person can do for all of time. I think I think Santa does have to be re rehired. You know what I'm saying? Like you know how all these other Santa movies, there's it's like a change of command. Yeah, like Santa a new passes, Santa. Yeah, Santa passes the torch. This Santa this has been why. going. <laughs> this Santa has been going strong for we we've determined a thousand years. Man, so yeah, maybe this is why Santa passes the torch or. Uh, when, when somebody kills Santa, the, mm-hmm. the next person in line uh, inherits the Santa throne. The, right. It was it was this uh, chain of events in Santa Claus the movie that inspired the elves to type out the Santa Claus with an E. We can we can connect all the Santas together now. We're gonna do a podcast on that. <laughs> yes, post movie. A one episode. Yes. A one episode. Yes. <laughs> Not a full podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So so anyway, 
Puffy has uh, shown Santa the doll. It takes Santa a couple seconds, but he finally sighs and says, A doll. Children ought to like it. Does it fly? Poor Puffy. I, I, I've always felt bad for Puffy in this scene. Well, you know what the sad thing is? Is that if Santa would get off his tush, he could make something to have kids fly. He has the material. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I also kind of think, and I'll get into it more this week when Puffy reveals like the punchline to this scene. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I kind of think this may have been commentary on the Cabbage Patch craze. Yeah. Uh, Cabbage Patch Kids were introduced in 1982. So they would have mm-hmm. been fairly recent in the production timeline of this movie. Of right. course, the doll Puffy is holding does not look anything like a Cabbage Patch doll, unless it was like a homemade Cabbage Patch doll that your grandma made. Maybe if you chop the head off and you're only looking from the neck down, you might be able to squint. <laughs> be a cabbage patch doll because <laughs> i mean cabbage patch dolls are fabric from the head down so it could be but uh the head is really what's throwing it off but puffy will reveal what this doll can do next week so we'll talk a bit more yep. maybe we'll talk a bit more about cabbage patch kids next week mm-hmm. because our minute ends with that sad santa asking if it can fly or not Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is a very good point, that Santa could easily cook up, maybe get Groot involved, <laughs> yeah. cook up something that could make kids fly if he really wanted to. Very easily if he wanted to, or but ma- he's in such a funk. Yeah, make toys fly. He could come up with something something amazing, I bet, if he put his mind to it. But I don't want, I don't want Santa giving out toys that make kids fly, though. I mean... I would not want my son to get a lollipop from Santa that makes him fly into the universe. You know what I'm saying? Like, if there was any quality control and the kids end up flying out to forever. I don't, I <laughs> yes, think that... yes. If a kid, uh, just like BZ demonstrates, if a kid got hold of too many yeah. candy canes, uh, mm-hmm. it, it would be all over. But even yeah. even the lollipops, we, we mentioned that earlier, the lollipops posed a similar safety concern yeah but can we do we we gotta we gotta stay in the universe of this movie where <laughs> right. I, I i assume if you float too high with the the new candy canes and the flying ability wears off you don't just plummet to the earth <laughs> i would imagine that it would slowly decrease its you know like in come into system. a come, so you come just in, like slowly fall slowly come in for a landing like the reindeer do yeah right you're not helplessly like trying to grab on the tree branches and stuff so you don't <laughs> fly away <laughs> <laughs> this could be a terrifying movie though the more you think about they could have made this into a horror movie <laughs> that could have been the john carpenter version remember he yes. was originally going to direct <laughs> yes could have been the terrifying santa claus movie Nowadays, they do a reboot by Rob Zombie. Oh, geez. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so instead of the depressing Santa Claus, we would get the scary Santa Claus. Yeah. Well, Santa himself, I bet Santa could save the day. He could be like flying around in his sleigh, maybe like with a big net, catching yes. kids and bringing <laughs> them no back down gives- to earth. 
How cool would that have been? That would have given Santa something to do. And then he could kick in BZ's door and say, what do you think you're doing? And then BZ could gobble the candy canes and fly Uh off into space to die. There we go. We just came up with a movie that makes Santa look like a, I was going to say a badass. Can I say that on our podcast? Sure, go ahead. (laughs) I think I just did. Santa kicks in the door. There we go. How awesome would that have been? He has a big, been, has a big dog catch your head. <laughs> Dooley and the others are like reaching out the sleigh with nets, bringing kids back to their very grateful parents. They all have like these mini sleighs so that each reindeer just pulls one sleigh. Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. out just all over the world collecting kids. And we would have finally got the encounter, the face-off between Santa and BZ. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, man, I love it. <laughs> BZ, you've been a very naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> then Santa looks out the window. Santa and a couple police officers <laughs> look out the window. <laughs> well, I guess he's not going to cause us any more trouble, eh, boys? What do you think? We're going to go off on a lot of tangents like that where Santa could have had a a bigger, better role in the home stretch of this movie. Yes, for sure. I'm not the expert on the Sulkin Superman movies, but is there a Superman movie where Superman just sulks around and it's all mopey for like 50% of the movie? Probably. I don't know. I <laughs> Somebody write in. <laughs> Anyway, we, we need our hero to be at his lowest. He'll get invigorated soon, right, Ben? Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. He'll have a cause shortly. Well, that's going to wrap up minute number 86. If you, have any, <laughs> if you have anything to add after that to this minute or any other minute of Santa Claus the Movie, be sure to email us. Our email address is santabytheminute at gmail.com. Or you can also reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Santa Minute. Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of those episodes... For free!